Welcome back to another episode of the Bus Driver Experience. We got a big week ahead. We got big shows coming. The energy bus just won't stop. We won't stop. Here comes the bus. All right, that's enough jingling right there. It's not going to get anybody excited to listen to the show. The energy will, but the rambling's got to be directional. It's got to have direction. So, guys, welcome back. Welcome to another episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show. I got to do the shtick. Got to do the whole plugs. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in the show. We have some merch. We, I mean me, you, everyone who listens to the show, there is some merch coming out. Rule 63 shirts. I'm on the bus. Bus driver experience. All the good stuff. So head over to busdriverproductions.com. Go check out that merch. I'm going to have stuff on Instagram, everywhere else, Facebook, da 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 where you guys can find that stuff. And uh, what better way to support the show than have a bunch of slogan t-shirts. If you don't know what Rule 63 is, you probably can't afford it. If you know the answer to that question, don't tell anybody. And today's guest, we have Mabod Magadam. Mabod is one of the founders of formerly Rap Genius, now Genius. And it's an amazing website where they annotate rap lyrics. First rap, lyrics, first rap lyrics, and now they've made an entire database on the internet that has annotations about individuals' writings from verses of the Bible. Imagine going on and reading all of Eminem's verses and lyrics, and Eminem is annotating all of those lyrics, and you're understanding where all this lyrical genius came from. Really an amazing site. Go back and go. You got to go back and check out that stuff. That link's going to be in the bio. And now Mopoad is working on Everipedia, which is a blockchain-based platform, very similar to Wikipedia, but built on top of it to make it even better and grander. Um, Mopoad's a controversial individual. He said a few things, and while as the founder of Rap Genius, and he said a few things uh, on the internet um, about some people about some incidents, about some things that may be uh, misconstrued and maybe taken the wrong way. And it's really interesting to really get to see a lot of his work that's come out of uh, a lot of uh, life and events and experiences he's had. And he continues to create some incredible, incredible technologies and inventions and uh, passing them on to the individuals like me and you, the listeners of the show. So, this is a fun show. This is a really, really, really deep, in-depth show. I'm really happy my boat came out. I think it was a Saturday morning when he did. And I'm going to let you, the viewer, have the final say on what you think of him. And without further ado, we have my boat, Mogadam. God, we just went right into it right there. But now, we're on the show. We're live. Claps in. Swag. That's my favorite thing right there because it's just like a film thing, a little card. That they would clap before there. And you think it has no utility, but it's just the whole thing. Lights, camera, action. Oh, I talk about it now in every show whenever <laughs> we do it. It just triggers that that great dollar grain. But, dude, welcome. Thank you for having me, dog. Yeah, no, it's, uh, very, it's a pleasure to be on the cool side of town coming from whack-ass uh, corporate Santa Monica where I live. Is it corporate? I mean, I feel like, I mean, maybe... Santa Monica and Venice are that different, but I feel like when I'm out there, I go to Venice. It's no, just Venice so is corporate back. as shit. Everyone who lives there now are just all—they're all Facebookers and Googlers. Really? Yeah. Well, it's the nickname out there is uh, Silicon Beach, right? Silicon Beach, yeah. So where we are, we're further up north, and it's known as Crypto Beach. Okay. Like even more gentrified, like downtown Santa Monica <laughs> is known as Crypto Beach. 
it, there's that yeah. much crypto out there now. A lot of the dApps are there. Yeah, well, so Brock used to have his office there, Brock Pierce. Founder who's our of, invest, or he's the CEO of EOS. No, it? well, so technically he's not, he, technically he's just an investor, but, you know, he's like behind the scenes, he's a baller. Okay. He's like, he was one of the first investors in Bitcoin and Ethereum. He started EOS. He invented the concept of stable coins. Okay, so he invented EOS. Up. I don't think I need the background on it, but like... Well, the guy who really invented EOS is Dan Larimer. Dan okay. Larimer is the guy... So Dan Larimer built Steemit, which is whatever PD is trying to copy. Mm-hmm. Steemit's the only crypto thing on the internet that people actually use. Uh, they're, they're around top 5,000 sites. And I use Steam before. It's like a social media slash Reddit where you're actively promoting different posts or putting out solid content, whether it's, you know, with links or articles yeah. and the amount of votes or, you know, shares that it gets. I haven't used it in a while. You get paid in the credits or the token, Steam. which is Steam. Yeah, yeah. That's the way the whole internet has to work. And then hopefully... With the stuff Facebook's doing, I'm hoping that's what Zuck wants to... Zuck gets it too. So he wants to, like, steamify Facebook. Mm-hmm. And that's what has to happen. Like, the, the internet solved the information problem, but it didn't solve the value problem. Like, everyone can share information, but then only the centralized players can profit from it. Mm-hmm. So they got everyone's content, everyone's data. And look, Mark Zuckerberg has hundred hundred billion dollars or you know however much he has that's ridiculous like obviously that that means that it's a broken system so hopefully now what we have so our version of steam is iq and we're building other dApps right now we've got everpedia but like we're building something called predict which is going to let you uh you it's like a futures market so if i compare it to another crypto it'd be um what's that ethereum one auger auger yeah so very similar to auger yeah, so Augur had two problems. One is that they're running into the technical problems that all of Ethereum's running into. Which are? It's just not scaling. It's not scaling the way that the way that EOS is EOS is doing. So Ethereum is like kind of retooling, trying to figure out what they're going to do. But it seems like for stuff like Augur, at least right now, at least until they roll out Ethereum 2.0, they had these scaling issues. They have to charge people for gas which EOS doesn't have to do. Uh, well, is that gas in order to pay people to work on the on the, on the the network in order to make the transactions go through? Yeah, that- but EOS has that built in. They just have a more... I'm not a technical dude, so I'm not the best one to explain it, but it seems like EOS has just a more seamless, scalable way to do these like social network type uh, transactions. Okay. Because, yeah, the same thing I would see... Uh, if I can compare even like what you guys got with vidIQ, uh, not vidIQ, excuse me, with Everpedia, it's um, it's very similar to Lunar, that one. Uh, yeah, well, so Lunar shut down. And it shuts down? Yeah, one one thing that was interesting about Lunar was that they ICO'd, which we were thinking about doing, and then we ended up uh, getting a VC to invest in us instead. Uh, and I mean, I, it's good. It seems like right now ICOing was a problematic. A, a it's got a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. B, a lot of them kept their Ethereum. I'm guessing that's what Lunar did. Like they kept a lot of their money in Ethereum, and then Ethereum crashed. So you know they raised like they they raised ten million, but they might only actually have like 
one or two million in the bank. Yeah, I'm glad I sold it. One day it had like a crazy spike up to like it was a hundred or thirty dollars, like February 2018. It just ridiculous the amount, like thousands of percentage it went up in one day and came crashing right back down during all yeah. that. It was like such a crazy time that 2017 December. And then it wasn't even the rise, I would think. The crash is like the most interesting thing about Yeah, your, I've your been sister. in on this stuff since the since 2013. And I was a really early investor in Ethereum. But I've never sold a token. So with the whole roller coaster ride, it was very sad for me. But <laughs> I'm a believer. I'm a long-term holder. Right now with Ethereum, I've been thinking about maybe selling a little bit of my Ethereum. Just because, like I'm saying, stuff's not working out. But I still believe. I, I believe in Ethereum, too. I think what I think is going to happen is that EOS is going to do uh, all the social network stuff. And Ethereum is going to uh, have better relationships with uh, finance, like fintech stuff, mm -hmm. stuff that needs more security. Like EOS is going to EOS is going to be for scalability and Ethereum is going to be for security. Yeah. But maybe not. Maybe there's just going to be a winner take all. Maybe Bitcoin is just going to adapt to whatever Ethereum and EOS can do. And both of them are just going to be uh, useless. <laughs> well, I mean, it's crazy to think that, you know, I, I, I think even anybody who's talking about it to this scale, like we're having this conversation now, like it's so, so, so new to everybody. I mean, this is, you know, this conversation yeah. right here is maybe less than 5% of the population have you know even the the base general knowledge that we have in this so it's still so fresh the education like you said i mean we're talking about the internet and the amount of information like okay it solved this problem that the information is there now but how do we profit off this and this is transition just going on all the way through life like how do we you know how do we find value in all these things and you know well hey you can't find value there your value is in 40 hours a week doing something for a boss and manager <laughs> who's not doing the work you're doing the work for him so how do we like almost re-inspire and re-fire people up to believe in like, hey, you have something unique, whether it's a story or whether it's a skill you have, and there's some way to market that. And you have this internet, which is like a 5 billion person market to connect with people around the world. Yeah, it's, I mean, so what's gonna happen, I think is the crypto economy. And with the crypto economy, everyone's going to be able to work. There's gonna be zero unemployment and teenagers are going to be able to work. That's something that's very problematic, but on the internet, it makes it a lot easier. Teenagers are a huge part of, like, I know for a fact, that's who does a lot of good work on Genius, on Quora, on these knowledge sites, mm -hmm. Wikipedia. Uh, so I think they're going to fix it, but a lot of people who are into crypto right now are into spe speculating and, like, doing these BS investments or they're, or they're into dApps that no one's even using. Uh, so I'm not like I'm I'm very bullish, but I don't like a lot of people in the crew. Like I think that the thing I'm working on is the only thing that actually makes sense. So Steemit blew up, you know, respect to them. But then Dan Larimer left, and it seems like they're not going to be able to scale. That's why he built EOS. Mm -hmm. um, unless un unless they can retool. Like in tech, everyone can always retool. You know, like Facebook Facebook retooled and copied Snapchat and now they're crushing Snapchat. So you can always redo your, your stuff in tech, but, but you know, for, for now it seems like Steemit is, is on the way down. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we're basically trying to build the scalable Steemit. And those are the only two things that actually have users. The only two dApps there's, you know, there's gambling dApps, which are just commodities. They're not interesting. But the only two 
dApps that have like a social network and governance and all the stuff that's eventually going to take over everyone. It's us and steam it. And then we've raised a lot of money. We have this brilliant guy who's leading us, uh, building all these other dApps. So I think, I think we're going to be able to do it. Yeah. It's interesting. You have, uh, I mean, how many companies have been, if you things you've worked for, I mean, I didn't think, uh, person who connected us, Allie, I didn't even know you worked for her. This whole other yeah. Well, so, so we were, so Ali, who's our f- mutual friend, she started Spylight, which was going to tell you what people wore on TV shows, hmm. which I think is a brilliant idea. There's another app that's doing that now. Uh, I actually have a friend who's doing that through content creation and selling products by, so when you watch that thing, you can click on the dress or something, or you see in a TV show or people creating content for that app or that network. And then you can click on the things on the clothes that they're wearing and then directly into wherever you're going to buy that at. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm all about integrated advertising. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been a huge fan of ads. One thing that crypto people want, like the way that Everpedia is built right now, is that there's never going to be ads. We're going to be funded through inflation, which is how Steam it was. How is, this, how, that, how is it funded through inflation? Just I, I, printing more and more IQ. Okay. It sounds crazy to me too. I think, <laughs> what, so our founder actually got into um, a discussion with Vitalik, the head of Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And Vitalik was saying that we should run ads on, on Everpedia. That's what Lunar was going to do before they went belly up. Have so. you met Vitalik? I've never met him in person, mm-hmm. but I'm a big fan. That's, I, you know, I, I invested in Ethereum like pretty much right when it came out. And one of the reasons was I, I really got into him. I'm very into the whole image of like young Russian ingenue. It seems like, <laughs> it seems like he's a chess wizard or something. Yeah. So. Well, it's interesting. Um... Also, I think he's very handsome. <laughs> and I love his unicorn sweaters. Oh, yeah, the rainbow unicorn sweaters. Yeah. yeah he's great. And it's interesting, just like, uh, what is he, like 20, 21 right now or 22? He's a young man. He he started all of this by uh, getting a, applying for a job at Coinbase and getting rejected, which I think is funny. That's how, That was his first uh, foray into crypto. Mm-hmm. I bet I bet they wish they hired him now, but uh, maybe not. Like you know, it's obviously what he did. He, smart contracts—they're his idea. Like even if someone else ends up copying his idea, like he's the one who made the huge, huge leap. So he's obviously a brilliant guy. Now you talked about value and decentralization, and you know what? What what is different? with blockchain and what is different with adding blockchain and all these things that why is it giving people more value? Why is it showing people that there is more value in what they're doing? The two things that you need to be able to own that right now on the internet, you don't own Mark Zuckerberg or Google owns one is your data and the other one is your content. So if you're basically, if you're consuming the internet, they owe you, you know, you, you should get ownership of that. And if you're producing on the internet, they also owe you. Um, so we're more on the producer side. Like that's, uh, Everpedia, it's just the, most, the biggest no-brainer. So the weird thing about Wikipedia, Wikipedia is not even for-profit. Wikipedia was 
it, it is a nonprofit organization because it was started in like the murky early days of the internet before people even, a lot of people thought the internet was just going to be like a governmental nonprofit thing. They didn't know that there was going to be like Facebook. And How old is Wikipedia? 2004. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so. I thought you said early internet. I'm talking like like '84 or something when you said it was founded. But I think mean, well, it was before. You know, it was before they. And part of it is because, like, I don't think that my big quibble. I mean, the founder of Wikipedia works with us now, but I think he would agree with me that the pro- one big problem with Wikipedia is that the guys who started it are not technical. Jimmy Wales and Larry Sanger, who works, he's an executive at Everpedia now. They're not technical. They're just like philosophical dudes. And that's not a good way to build a company. Like the reason why Facebook Facebook started pretty much at the same time as Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that set the model for the for-profit internet. Like Zuck is the one who crushed it. Zuck is the one who learned how to monetize data. And now he's getting into a lot of trouble for it. But everyone else was trying to do it too. He was just the only one who was smart enough to, to figure it out. And Zuck feels bad. Zuck is the only internet titan who is into crypto because he realizes that his success indicates that there's something broken with the system. People need to be able to own their own content and data. So he's trying to decentralize Facebook and props to him. You know, he's he's the man. I used to have beef with Zuck and it's a, a big regret of mine, especially now because... Uh, He's always been very nice to me. He just gave me a check mark on Instagram. Really? Yeah. I just You're want, on the gram? Yeah, I want to give him a big hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got so I got banned from Twitter for like I I didn't do anything wrong. Like I got like blacklisted for being an alt right person, even though I hate Donald Trump. I'm like vehemently anti Trump. But for like whatever Kafka esque reason. What did you do the that triggered that? Nothing. nothing. I honestly I did nothing. Um, who, who labeled you like were there people like online that just started like saying this guy's all right like the Gawker people like you know R.I.P. Gawker but like the the fall like Gawker people have always hated me for whatever reason and like they think of me as like a tech bro even though I, I don't know I don't think I am all right what is a tech bro what well, do you, for what one, do you see as a tech for me, bro I think of tech bro as mean you drink beer and like I don't drink beer <laughs> I don't know what it means. These are just unfair. I think part of it is because I have a smart mouth on the internet. You mm-hmm. know, I say a lot of, and you know, on Twitter, I would say even more contentious things. On Facebook and Instagram, I've always kept it more like PG. Uh, but anyway, so I got banned from Twitter, and then the same day, I got a check mark on Instagram. So it was pretty weird. I really? felt like, yeah, I felt like, you know, the 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 internet Illuminati were like. <laughs> You know, they were like, yay or nay. Are we gonna... Mobster style. You took a hit. Yeah, seriously. But it's cool. I'm retooling. And that's why. So I was really into Twitter because uh, Jack went on Joe Rogan mm-hmm. and he like smoked weed and he like said that they're going to decentralize. He talked a big game, but they've done nothing like all because all he does is smoke weed. So like Twitter, Twitter doesn't even have an edit button. You know what I mean? Like they're very backward. They're known for like what would what would the edit be? Like like from a past post? Or like I think as like in Instagram, Facebook you can go back to an old post. I mean and delete, is that what you're talking about? Twitter like, Twitter it took them like five years just to double the the character count. 
Yeah. Like they're very slow and it's because they don't have a Mark Zuckerberg. Is they that because have... it's slow or because they, I mean, they claim they were doing that for, you know, hey, we only want to limit this to they this idea. They say, yeah, they say that they're or purists, that but that's what happens when you smoke mad weed. Like Peter Thiel <laughs> called it. They're just like, they're stoner, burning man guys. They don't care about their own company. They're already rich. Just like the founders of Google. The founders of Google don't care about their own company either. They stopped ta- talking because they got into a fight over a girl. But Mark Zuckerberg is a beast. Like, all he cares about is his company. That's his passion. And I don't think there's any other tech founder like that. There hasn't been since Steve Jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, he's done it interesting because he's able to acquire all these other companies and then just keep it under that Facebook umbrella, like the WhatsApps and the Instagrams. And it's just under that umbrella and everything yeah. comes back through Facebook now. So it's not like he owns this, 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 and that, and he's scattered. Everything is under that umbrella so his biggest genius moves first one was integrating instagram that was huge like, especially with snapchat yeah i think the well well that that's his number two like number one is like he got instagram it's the biggest app of all time right now and he just nailed it the, the instagram founders are unhappy because like he's like i don't know he's he's moving too fast for them or whatever didn't one of them quit working from Facebook? they quit they yeah. quit yeah his second one was he tried to buy Snapchat and they said no. And Evan, he was right? able to rip off Snapchat and totally crush. I, In my opinion, Snapchat's worth zero. Like really? the writing's on the wall. He, he, he Not nailed... even their founder, Evan? I mean. I love Evan. Uh, I've, I, another guy I've always really wanted to meet. And He's I great. think he didn't sell to Zuck because he wanted to go down in history as the next Zuck. But he didn't, he didn't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> he should have sold it. He should have sold it and just tried to assist Zuck. And then now the number three that Zuck is going to do is decentralizing Facebook. But what if That's he the integrates hit blockchain or a certain kind of blockchain into his snap? Never. It's just, it's just never, too late? Never. He'll never do it. He's more into... He's an LA guy. So yeah. I think he wants to uh, have Snapchat connected with Hollywood. I don't use Snapchat, but I'm being told that like... The reason it's not dead, like people aren't using it for the DM function anymore. Like Instagram stole that, but there's still a lot of content on Snapchat. Like there's people creating content on Snapchat. A lot of branded content as well. I know people that marketed like exclusively with Coca-Cola to be making full on stories in that 24 hour cycle geared towards the ads and their everyday life. So it's like a moving ad commercial, but it's someone's just regular story. They curate it so well. It might not be over, but it's the, the movement. So so Snapchat came out. Everyone's like, look, this is the better Facebook. Facebook's mm-hmm. finished. This this guy made the better version of Facebook. And then Facebook completely copied everything that he did. And Zuck nailed it to the wall. No, no, I don't think any other executive except like, you know, Steve Jobs had his Steve Jobs had like his beef with Microsoft mm-hmm. and stuff. But. The way that he was able to do that is just, it's amazing. And it's because he's so passionate. He doesn't care about money or like being on the scene. He, he got married to his girlfriend from college. He like perfectly learned Chinese to speak with her grandma. <laughs> <laughs> How do you see the value of like check marks on like Instagram and Twitter? Oh man! I, so I want to write an article about this, but I don't want to get my check mark taken away. But it's insane! Like this is another—it's centralized control. Like I got this check mark. For me, it's like—sorry to sound like a petty, you know. I, 
I'm a loser. You know what I care about? I care about these internet things. <laughs> no, I think a lot like, of people do. I think people, I like video games, and this is like an accomplishment in a video game. I think when people hit that ten thousand, they see like, oh, I'm substance to society now. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean something now. And then your next point is the check mark, and that's and when you've retired. Props for Zuck. You know, so <laughs> Zuck gave me this check mark, I think, because he's trying to move into crypto, and he knows that even though I'm notorious in Silicon Valley, I'm popular in crypto. And he got me. He got my, you know, he gave me the check mark, and now he has my one hundred percent support. You really oh, think that was a thing, like a say hush hush under the totally, table? I totally, got your back. Totally. So, and wow. another crazy thing is Morgan Beller, who's like, she's she's like in she's like the the right hand man for decentralization of Facebook, and she was right out of college, a rap genius editor. Because she, I think she was interning or she was an early employee at Andreessen Horowitz. And she was really involved in Rap Genius. So, um, Also, I think I think Balaji is a big part of who's like speaking to Zuck about decentralization. And Balaji is the guy who got me onto Bitcoin in the first place. He told me to buy Bitcoin in 2013. He also, he wanted me to connect him with Nas to ask Nas to create a diss rap about Gawker. <laughs> yeah, everybody seems to hate Gawker, whether it's in tech yeah. or celebrity-wise. Well, so Balaji's like best friends with Peter Thiel. And this is before Peter Thiel had done like the Hulk Hogan thing and destroyed mm-hmm. Gawker. So he wanted a Nas diss track. So we, we went to lunch together. He asked me about the Nas diss track. I'm like, I'll talk to Nas. But then he was like, by the way, buy Bitcoin. Any money you have that you can you can... Uh, you know, do without buy Bitcoin right now. In 2013, like, we're talking about like what between four or seven hundred dollars at that time, or well, so the first time I ever bought Bitcoin was when it peaked, it went all the way up to a thousand bucks and then it crashed to a hundred eighty dollars. And I felt like a giant idiot. I was like, well, <laughs> but I hadn't bought that much. And then at 180, I was too scared to buy, I was like, this is finished, but then it started going back up again. It went to like 300 and I'm like, all right, I got to buy some more. So I bought some there and like I kept, just kept buying then, like 500, 600. Yeah, the earliest I got in was at 1,000. And, uh, in 2013? No, no, 2017. Oh, yeah. Early 2017. Yeah, yeah. The good times. Those were, yeah, but th- then it was it was too much of a hype cycle. Now there's like the, the miniature boom that's happening and it seems like it's based more on fundamentals. The biggest fundamental, like I'm talking about, is the Facebook decentralization. Mm-hmm. No, I know, um, let's call her ex-girlfriend who works for Consensus. And she comes from background not in blockchain at all, but more in the design space. And now that she's working on this whole technical side of, um, you know, learning about blockchain and worried about how to build these applications and coding that she can take her design stuff and make this accessible to everybody. Okay, let's create something kind of like with Everipedia. Okay, Wikipedia, if you're not intelligent enough to understand the knowledge that's there, you're not going to be able to absorb that that data or absorb that content. So how do we make this something for everybody that everybody can read and connect with? So it's like you said, it's a, it's a fundamental thing. But how do we bring so many people into this? Because I think it becomes like it's like language. Like we have to translate all this crazy crypto blockchain stuff to this person who doesn't even understand the education behind what they're doing. Never uh, even behind the sense that they're never going to understand it. But how do we make this relatable to them so they can say, oh, that's why I'm buying this. Oh, yeah, where, where's the community, the culture? 
around that because the culture is like the biggest thing to make it cool and make it understandable phones weren't big but someone had to go like steve jobs to say hey with the i would start with that ipod we're gonna put a thousand songs in that speech in your pocket and you're gonna do that mind yeah. blown well the the big thing about zuck's move is aside from decentralizing facebook which is huge it's also the calibra wallet basically giving every Facebook user a crypto wallet and he's not going to make it exclusive. You can hold any crypto in your Calibra wallet. So that is his real uh, Steve Jobs iPhone move with mm -hmm. crypto. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's I think it's just a publicity stunt where they recently they went to Congress I'm not putting down Zuck on this one. And I think he won't even go in front of Congress anymore. So he sends somebody else. Or, yeah, when Zuck talks, it's just, I think no one can relate or understand, or he just got, not even that he's got so much of his own stuff going on that, like. Yeah, so with the 2016 stuff, he the one thing I remember is he sat on a booster seat. Do you remember that? No, there were pictures of He had, like, a booster seat to make him look taller. Where was this? And when he was testifying to Congress. No. Yeah. But he, everyone made fun of him, and everyone's like talking about how sweaty he gets and stuff. But it seems like it worked. Like mm -hmm. you know, Facebook has been booming since then. So, yeah. well, he like gets the job done with Congress. It's just like, hey, you're trying to get this crypto thing. So it was about the Libra wallet and integrating this and decentralizing it. You know, all these banks or you know, just was government. They really just can't keep up with all this stuff. We'll call them technologies. And these technologies are 18th, 19th century institutions. And they're created and they're great and the things they did for society. But, you know, the internet and now what crypto is building on top of that internet, it just moves so much faster. It's like, it's almost like those things are just going to be like, hey, we just can't trust you anymore. You're just not reliable. Like the, the, the consumer, which is the people are going to be like, hey, we're going to just go with this over here because we don't need you. It's not even going to be like, mm -hmm. hey, you're not integrating this fast enough. It's just like, you're out of business. Yeah, J.P. Morgan tried to do a coin. Goldman Sachs tried to do a coin. You don't well, hear about it. They've adopted blockchain. I mean, to, yeah, to start being used. I mean. They want no one like no legit blockchain guy is going to go work for them because they it, they're going to try to destroy them. I mean, you can't even this is revenge of the them. nerds, huh? Exactly, exactly. Well, no, but that's that's a metonym of it's it's revenge of the nerds because who who do banks hire? Banks would always hire like these alpha bros i i so i i graduated college in 2004 uh back then like tech didn't really exist that was pre-facebook everyone's dream was to work for goldman sachs and i would have taken a job at goldman sachs in a heartbeat the only reason i didn't apply is because i felt like i was too beta so i ended up like studying abroad and going to law school mm -hmm. um but those those alpha bros, like the one big discovery that the alpha bros had made was, oh, Goldman, will, you have a better chance of getting a job at Goldman if you major in math instead of majoring in econ. So they would major in math. Like, great. But they're still not going to be like the in-the-weeds nerds who are actually going to like discover new things like Vitalik. Probably now, like... There's a bunch of people who major in computer science. I think like the the math the math of the modern age is everyone majors in CS. But the CS guys still they're not like they're not like my guys who like build build apps that millions of people use. They're not like Mark Zuckerberg. So I think there's going to be a huge shift. Hopefully, like this is going to be a huge downfall 
of alpha bros <laughs> and nerds nerds like me can start that because zuck kind of started it zuck was the first time that this nerd started a company and then then they were like all right son you have to step step aside and let some alpha bro be the ceo just like the google guys did and he was like no i'm gonna be the ceo mm-hmm. seem to brand yourself more as a nerd than a bro but like everybody I don't on the code. internet would call you a bro. Yeah, well, so I don't you get like code. labeled as a bro a lot. Well, whether no, it's tech bro or that's, this kind of bro. Well, but, but that's that kind of that's my stigma too. Like some people think of me as king of the incels, and they think of me as <laughs> oh, like God. giving the incels hope. But I I am trying to give the incels hope. But I'm trying to like get them out of their incel ways. Like I have all these nerds, including a lot of nerds who know how to code, who look up to me. And I'm always trying to be a positive influence. Like when, when my nerd audience tells me like, oh, I hate women. Why don't, why don't women get me? I try to be like, yo, you know, like this misogyny is not going to take you anywhere. You know, you should have respect. You should just like try to make friends with women. So I'm trying to always preach positive things, but that's my following. But then to like excoriate me because these people look up to me. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I forgot where I heard this one, but the amount of like, I think aggression is it, but just like sexual angst has fueled so much innovation in men throughout the ages. Like just, hey, or the idea that <clears throat> I want to go out and I want to be able to attract this woman and do these things. I'm going to go off and build all these different things. And I'm going to create all these different things in order to get the attention of a woman. And it's, you know, the incel thing is interesting because it's, it's the, it's, these guys, most of usually all men, there's some women who claim to be in those, but they're just so out of touch, you know, again with like, oh, hey, I have a nice car. I dress nicely. Why won't you talk to me? Why won't you give me attention? And, you know, it is hard because you just don't have a place in society for this many people. Like, how do you how do you say that now? And how do you say, hey, this is someone who feels this way and just doesn't know how to relate to people. And they have this place in the Internet where it's literally a whole different reality that you can build a persona and, and, and a whole different persona of who you are in this world and then a whole different way you can build yourself in this world with bitmojis and all these things. I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird time. It's still very, very new and fresh. So one, one of my favorite movies is The Social Network. And it's interesting, the liberties, like the, the one, I mean, aside from the business stuff, one big liberty that the, the movie takes with the truth is it makes it from the first scene is Zuck getting dumped by a girl. And it makes it seem like he started Facebook out of spite because this girl dumped him. Actually, that's not true. Actually, like Zuck was always dating his college girlfriend who he ended up getting married to. So that kind of downplays. It seems like... So he was never dating that girl or he ended up meeting his girlfriend after? No, it's all fake. No, he was always just with the same girl. Really? Yeah, he's not not a horny guy. Yeah, that, that's why, yeah, a lot of people think being a horny guy is going to motivate you, but it seems like in, in a lot of ways that just creates a lot of distraction. Well, even with, like, Revenge of the Nerds movie in the 80s, like, these are just these horny, horny little guys who, not look, it's horny guys who are just, like, you know, trying to get the attention and doing the only things they can go about doing attention, which is, like, creating different things that people don't understand yet. Yeah, I, got, I mean, you know, I'm, like... For for me, I'm I consider myself a very sexual dude. I write a lot of sexual content on Twitter. That's probably what got me into trouble. Like what? Would you? <laughs> ah, I, like those are the kind of jokes I make, and 
and that's so one one issue I have is like you have these nerds who are like you know basically I'm I'm sexually unsatisfied, and my biggest advice to them is to stop drinking caffeine. I think that's a big part of the incel culture is uh, because of drugs. It's like the the main ones being like drugs that psychiatrists give you, like Adderall. Oh yeah, and caffeine. And these are like huge things that kill your libido. So like you've got this incel who's awkward to begin with. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm already on my second cup right there. But... Well, well, you're a beast though. <laughs> but I don't. But no, and and you know, uh, that. But that's not that's not the same. I mean, it can be a lot worse than a, a bit of coffee. Well, I think totally with the ADHD or ADD yeah. is very 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 big and publicized now. Or you know. If you want to say it was even like a diagnosis that some doctor made up one day or I think it's definitely true. It's the and the idea is that by enhancing someone's heart rate, you actually create or stick or inhibit more focus. So with whether it's Ritalin or Adderall or even caffeine, because I would say I'm the type of person that has ADHD and instead of like going down, the more faster I go, the more focused. I can get and the more I can clue in. I haven't targeted that yet. And that's also something I went on a date with a girl and said, maybe you take Adderall because that's how um, you reverse the reverse engineer it by get, increasing the heart rate to slow, to focus more. So I, I, again, I just, it's one of those other prescriptions in the United States that just gets churned out way too much yeah, for I people just, who may or may not need it and said, maybe they just need some good exercise. Maybe they just need, need a breakdown, take a 10 minute push up break. And, and yeah, I just think drugs all have. When, whenever you get high from something, you crash. And a lot of times the crash can be even worse than the high. There's always going to be a low. So if you're if you're taking something daily for medication, it can turn into a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation. Mm. So that's my, uh, you know, that's my take on incel culture. I'm trying to, a lot of, a lot of what I preach to these incels is not just social stuff, but it's chemical stuff, not just to not take these drugs but like you were saying to do cardio not eat sugar eat a lot of protein mm-hmm. what about fat fat for sure yeah nuts that's what i'm I'm trying to take care of our nerds like that's and that's what i've done <laughs> I've, I've done such a good job with the guys i started companies with both of the ceos of my two companies were fat when we started and now the first one's still kind of fat, but the second one is like shredded eight pack. I actually got mad at him because he posted uh, topless photos on Instagram, and I said that that makes us look unprofessional. <laughs> Another question: So incels, they follow you, yeah. And some of them you say look they up. love me, yeah. yeah. Lo- I was gonna say look up, so they love you, and you, know, you make these comments about they're even make fun of the Elliot Roger guy at the Santa, Mon- uh, Santa Barbara University shooting and that kind of like triggers to, to lead towards your firing at Genius or was a formerly rap genius. Yeah, so I well, I, I wasn't making fun of him. The, so the, the Elliot Roger thing really struck a chord with me because he's from my neighborhood. Like so much of... Where are you from? The Valley. Okay, you're originally yeah. from Southern he grew. Yeah, he grew up all over like... He went to Crespi for a while and to Taft, which like, you know, my niece and nephew go go to those schools. 
And he would always hang out at the Calabasas Commons. And I remembered when I was in high school, like I was in my incel phase, we would go to the Calabasas Commons and there were all of these impossibly beautiful white girls. And I felt like such a minority. I felt like the, the immigrant Persian and no one wants to talk to me. So it, it resonated. And, and I did think that his writing was very beautiful. Mm-hmm. But then again, like, you know, I think uh, I, I read Mein Kampf for a history class in college and I thought Hitler's writing was beautiful. Obviously, I don't think Hitler is a good guy. <laughs> um, but I so what I I think the trouble I made, that's what kind of start like his his manifesto was what started all of this incel stuff. And I, by celebrating his writing, kind of became known as like someone who's celebrating the incel. Mm-hmm. But I was just trying to celebrate his good parts. Like I, I sp- spent, I stayed up all night uh, reading his manifesto, and I started writing the annotations that got me into trouble. Uh, and the main thing, like you know, I had trouble sleeping that night, and and the main thing I kept thinking was I could have helped this guy. Like if this guy, because he, so he wanted to be a Hollywood writer, and he had talked about how he had written a screenplay, and his mom wanted to show it to some people, and then he went on Reddit. Reddit is like that's another poisonous toxic site yeah. and everyone on he went in the screenwriting forum and read oh, it and God. everyone's like I tried to write a screenplay 10 years ago and I'm still living in my parents house I never got anywhere oh, so so that kind of killed his and I was like if this guy would have written for rap genius we could have gotten him hooked up you know we could have gotten him into a good university so but yeah I'm was, cringing just knowing of being attacked on the internet before you know, you think you make something, a great post in a group that you're in on the same kind of artist or band or musician you like. And then that group just like comes after you and you're just like, well, I thought this was a place where we all like this this artist right here. And why is everybody coming after me? So it's weird that like that, that's there's not, even not like a Reddit too, especially. I mean, you can really, really get torn down. Yeah, well, the Internet creates echo chambers, especially the way that voting works. Crypto might even make this worse is basically if you just go in the wrong place and you say something. One thing that I've found helps is whenever I'm going to state an unpopular opinion, I always write unpopular opinion in all caps. <laughs> when you do that, people are like, okay, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt. So I've gotten into less trouble. Now that I have my check mark, I'm like trying to mind all my P's and Q's and not getting any trouble. So I'm like... Now, is this before you started working on Everipedia? Because it seems like with Everipedia... Like you kind of give like the, you know, the value or like permission back to the individual who can say what they want to say about themselves rather than have someone else write it for them. I think you're even telling me like there's a there's a dude who lives in his trailer who does like 5% of all the writing that's ever on Wikipedia. Yeah. We, so he was so the, there's this guy. What's his name? I can't remember his name, which is terrible, but he was, he, he kind of became politics. It's, it's this guy, right? No, that was another, the, the guy I'm talking about, his name is uh, Pruitt, Stephen Pruitt. He's just an all around editor. Like he's written a ton of the stuff that's on Wikipedia. Hundreds of millions of people have read his stuff and he lives with his mom in a trailer. So there was a video of him on like CNBC or something. Okay. Actually, I, I think I have seen that. Yeah. And I think he didn't realize what he's getting into. Like, he's not all there. But then that that's the weird thing. That's that's a metonym of Wikipedia editors is that Wikipedia editors crave anonymity. But isn't that, like, also a problem that this guy is 5% of information on Wikipedia and there's a lot of knowledge 
or you should know who he is right that's why we made the person who's writing it we made his everpedia and then now wikipedia finally got pressured into making this guy's wikipedia but yeah wikipedia has all these anonymous troll editors and they're not getting paid in you know they're not getting paid in money so the way that they get paid is by being bullies and by writing negative information i'm more worried about like yeah but this this is the opinion about a person or a word or an animal that we're going to know about. We're not really understand. And that's, I think, the whole idea with history. Napoleon famous quote is that history is written by the victors. Yeah. So yeah. now that we have this, everybody has access, not almost everybody, to the Internet. And now somebody living in the trailer with their mom who maybe has not even gone out and seen the entire world or even seen a giraffe or listened to Snoop Dogg's music is going on there and writing and saying these things about something and creating, you know, that new branch of, if you want to say even a reality or, or idea that's going to be now put out there into the, in the, in the world. Yeah. It's deeply anachronistic. Even Paul Graham, Paul Graham, basically he's, he's the founder of Y Combinator. He's like, you know, the godfather of tech and he wanted Everpedia. He, he wrote an essay called request for startups and one of his top startup ideas was he said there's room to do to Wikipedia what Wikipedia did to Britannica. Wikipedia, even though it's on the Internet, is still like an it's the, the weird thing is. So everything has to be cited and they give preference to things that are cited in print. So it still is based on a world of print Uh on Everpedia. So on Everpedia, you can use anything for citations, but it has to be on the Internet. All the citations have to be internet URLs. So, like, we're actually building the internet encyclopedia. Wikipedia is, like, the print encyclopedia that you can read on the internet. There, uh, I know YouTube's having that same problem. I've had a few uh, content creators in the YouTube space come on the show. And, you know, these are people with 100,000 followings or um, tens and twenties and millions of views on all their videos. However... With every with YouTube becoming way more corporatized, especially with the bigger media spaces, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, they're bumping up and favoring whose videos can get trending and what stuff can be seen first and foremost on their website. So the Fox News is the CNNs. I think CNN needs like three sources in order for a story to be put out on it. You need three primary sources. Fox might only be one, um, but then you got ESPN and all these different other media hubs that are putting out content, churning out content and getting bumped and favored and trended before other people can do that. And so you think about this as like an original content creation website, you know, to bump up individuals or creators kind of being co-ops by these corporate media too. And yeah, they're taking over the space. And I mean, it's only favoring. Yeah. Also the censorship going on is very problematic that my, my new company I'm working on clear is a search engine, but it's going to be a search engine where you can also um, do like a Patreon. You can patronize, mm -hmm. give patronage to, to writers who you support. And one thing we've found is that 20% of Patreons get rejected. So Patreon is basically just in the business of deciding who's allowed and who's not allowed to use uh, use their platform and um, a lot of it is you know, who, who's doing a lot of the complaining are pro-Trump right-wing alt-right people so like 
I don't support them politically, but I guess in this sense, I am in their camp. I've always had a bit of a libertarian bent. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm left wing on most most political issues. <clears throat> well, left wing slash it, you know, apathetic on most political <laughs> issues. But um, one thing that that's always been very important to me is I don't think that words should be taken that seriously. Like until I went to law school, I didn't even know you could go to jail for just saying words. Like for me, it's just words, you know, but then people make such a big deal out of them. So, well, with sense, I think the problem with words is words are losing meaning, you know, because we're using them way too much to, you know, label and define who people are through something they said. You know, again, you're talking about the idea of what words mean. You know, I don't think we have that many racist or fascists in this country. I'm a, I'm a history major, I've studied history, and, you know, especially European history. I think my, my focus or my 50-page paper was on the fascism 1914-1945 and just like, you know, reading and listening back to that time, like, and just through all my travels around the world, like, I'm like, oh my God, like, this is not a fascist country. Like there, there are a lot worse places for you to have a problem or issue or not be able to say what you want to say and express what you want to say. Like you can't do that other places. You wonder why you don't see protests in other countries around the world. I mean, and the fact that people can, you know, call people fascist and not uh, Nazis or like, these, are, I mean, these are the words that we define the worst people in society already. There's already like that culture around that word. Like just you don't call somebody then if you do like, you know. That's that's someone we want to socially ostracize. And that's what's happening through the Internet now is that we're able to completely say you and and it's really shaming people enough that they can't bounce back. I think Sam Harris talks about this a lot, too, because I mean he goes to that same problem. He's considered a far right fascist racist for just talking deep and political or um philosophical talk you know again it's like put it projecting a question or ideas out there can label you as one of the people we look at as the worst person in society and how do you bounce back from that after that i mean it's yeah i mean i i always thought i've always hated trump i remember i was so sad when he won the election especially because hillary clinton uses rap genius (laughs) she has a verified account so i was heartbroken (laughs) And I've I've always just thought he's very ugly. Like I, I I don't care much about politics, but I care about looks. So like I don't like it when the ugly person wins. Hillary I think is cute. Um, but <laughs> I always thought that the outrage was a bit out unfound. I'm I'm a big fascism guy too. My I was my my senior essay was on World War Two. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like chill. But then now that he's anti-crypto, like I'm a, I'm a one-issue voter. So now that he's anti-crypto, I'm like, fuck this guy. You lost me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, hopefully hopefully Andrew Yang is going to win. That's, I, I'm he's still... just one of those guys. It's like you, you would probably see this in, <clears throat> in tech and business. He's just like 20 years too early. True, true, true. I mean, the fact that people in this country don't have internet, but they're probably voting that live, you know, in rural this place or that place. Who's this guy coming on the stage? And they're already those people in rural parts probably aren't even voting for a Democrat and they're voting for Republicans. Mm-hmm. It just it's 20 years too early. But in any case, I think that that censorship, even of pro-Trump people is is going too far. Like 
the one thing that you can't deny Trump did well is his whole direct to the masses Twitter approach. It reminds me of how Reagan was the first president to use uh, television to really get into people's faces. This guy's the first president, even though he's really old and he's stupid, but he's the first president who's using Twitter. Well, the problem is he's, direct... he's unreal at marketing. He's unreal with his marketing well, sense. Well, yeah, no, he's, he writes hyperboles. He does a lot of stuff that I don't like, but at least he's writing it. Like You can tell that he's actually the one who's writing it. And obviously that's been brilliant. I think every politician should mimic that. The one who is uh, having the most success is AOC. Like AOC, if you think about it, she's basically left-wing Trump. Mm-hmm. Lover, lover or hater. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. She, she's the he was that one power, and he's she's just that other reverse power, and there's just two reverse yeah. opposite energies collide. I mean, if you think in a spiritual sense, and it's nuts. On some level, you know, I think I'm I'm not a huge fan of hers either. I think that she and Trump are both insufferable, but at least they're playing my game. You know, they're into they're they're what making game is this? the internet. The internet. I love I love the internet. I think it's. The best way to communicate it's way better than tv in my opinion because you can interact like on trump does a tweet and then you can reply to his tweet that's the genius part of the internet and like there's a guy who works for everpedia uh, one of our developers william legate and he's a celebrity he's considered like the most famous anti-trump guy on the internet huh. and it's because he built an algorithm to let him know when trump's tweeting and he was always the first hate hater reply, so he kind of went went uh, viral for trolling the president. And he's a genius, you know. That's I I always tell our our interns, everyone who works on content for for my companies, I say nobody reads your tweets, but everybody reads the replies. So if you tweet, you're just tweeting into a void. Not that many people are even going to read it. Yeah, that, that but if cycle you reply, on Twitter goes through so fast. you are really got to hope someone's going to... I mean, you can't market anything on there to go watch or check this out. And depending on your follower account, expect anybody <laughs> to click yeah. that because that thing cycles so fast. Yeah, in my career, I, I think I've been pretty successful as an internet entrepreneur. And it's because I've written about 5% as many posts as replies on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. The main thing I do isn't create my own content. It's talking about other people's content. Mm-hmm. You're, a, you're a commenter. I'm a troll. I'm a troll. But I, I try to be a positive troll. Like, I'm not always a hateful troll. A lot of times I'm just showing love. Maybe you're just an engineer of chaos because that's how I see myself. Yeah, a thug, a thug, uh, a thug community manager. <laughs> <laughs> No, I like pointing out, like, you know, again, when you see people anywhere. And I, I, I think the first place I find this stuff is being able to self-reflect on myself and watching me overhype something. Oh, my God, this is not happening. This and that. Like, dude, just life's, life's good. Life's great. Like, you really need to be able to find and see how silly and petty the, the, the thought in your head might be. So now that you have this level of self-reflection, you want to say, well, hopefully you have a different level of perspective or attainment of consciousness that when you see it in other people you're able to see that self-reflection back like oh wow i hope i don't ever yell at my parents like this person's yelling at their parents over here this is just another human being right there but then you can point those out in trolls 
Yeah, you it's know, it's psychology. It's basically I I didn't major in it, but I was always a fan of pop psychology books and that kind of thing. And the internet is a fun fun uh, petri dish for the amateur psychologists mm-hmm. for sure. Did you ever apply to uh, your infamous Sasha Barra Cohen video thing? So I've you know that that video it was when it happened. It was for me horrifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I, I got a, a, I had a seizure a month later and I had to get brain surgery. Well, but I, I've realized it's my fault. Like, first of all, he was just doing a pretty good prank. Like people got out of, out of control, but I thought it was playful. I always really liked it when he did the Harvard commencement as Ali G. Mm-hmm. So I felt kind of betrayed that like I was a fan and then he messed <laughs> But he didn't really make me do anything that bad. The, what made me, what really bothered me was that he made me like put on a bikini and do this sexual stuff, which as a Persian really shamed me. But I think that has more to do with what's fucked up about Persian culture. Like my family, one, one thing that really broke my heart is my family refused to watch it with me. I was like, hey, so are you guys down? We could just all watch it together on Shabbat. And they're like, no, I cannot sully myself with seeing this. And I, I felt like I'm in Palestine or something. You know, I just felt very limited by my backwards immigrant culture. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're a Persian Jew? I am. I'm Shabbat a Pers- Shalom. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm Sabbath day. Sabbath day. We're using technology. It's all good. (laughs) I I love all religions. I have mad respect for like uh, Sam who runs Everpedia is Muslim, but he's one sixteenth Jewish. So he's still he's got the lucky drop. Yeah, that was a back to the allergy thing or what was Sasha Baron thing. I mean, how did did they find you and all that? I mean, how did you? Yeah, they must have been casting a pretty wide net. So like all. If anyone asked me to interview, like, you know, you you invited me here. I was like, hell yeah, you know, any, well, can I come right now? Yeah. Um, and they sent me a limo. Well, they sent they me like a baller a Playboy, Escalade limo. A Playboy interview they were doing? Or you no, they told me it's for an Italian billionaire. Okay. So anything weird, I was like, whatever, they're Italian, they're weird. And I 100% believed it. Like, people thought I knew that they were You got Trump. a press release and a media kit. Like, I mean, what did they, what did they send over to you to say like, hey... We got this interview for this Italian billionaire. I mean, I don't know, man. If 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 we were living at UCLA at the time, and also at that time, Everpedia had raised about two hundred thousand dollars, so we were like desperate for money just to pay for going to Ralph's. <laughs> um, and uh, then, then when they aired it, we had raised thirty million dollars, and things looked a lot different. But then again, they didn't even mention Everpedia. They they like touted me as the founder of rap genius even though i left the company five years ago Mm -hmm. so i guess i kind of left my indelible mark but the two things i'm very happy about first of all i wore my coolest colored pants on the show they were bright green and it's because they told me the guy's italian so i'm like i have to wear my most italian shoes my (laughs) most italian pants uh and the other thing i like about it is they gave me an award and for a while, when I was like angry, I was going to throw away the award, but I still have it sitting on my table. And they misspelled my name on the award, which is like, I don't know if it was on purpose or on, like, if it was on purpose, that's, that's like a monster troll. Yeah. 
I mean, what, so walk me through going on because like was there another because that other camera that was in there that one that caught everything I mean was was it hidden or did was there a big like steady camera like sitting there back were there? a bunch of cameras and like you know obviously I I felt like when when I was in my outrage mode they were they were trying to like get me to do the stuff they wanted me to do but I still did it they were basically telling me to dance I'll dance however and they told me to dance like I'm black so I started dancing the way that I dance when I'm in clubs. <laughs> Honestly, that for me, that's what dancing black means. It's just how I dance. And also, one th- one person who's not on the show is that there was the billionaire Gio's girlfriend. Gio's girlfriend was on on in the scene, like, telling me... She's the one... When, when they told me I have to change into the bikini, I was like, I'm not doing this. Because I have... I'm very... I kind of have OCD. Like afterwards, I went and took a big shower. They made me like put on all this weird costume stuff. And I was going to not do it. But they got he got really, really mad at me. He's like, we're not going to air it unless you put on the bikini. Tasha Barracone, yeah, as, as his Italian yeah, white-haired yeah. guy starts yelling at you. And then they did good cop, bad cop. And then his girlfriend, his girlfriend pulled me aside. And she was like, listen, just wear the bikini. This is going to be really good. And I felt like a fish. Like by the time they put me in the bikini, I was just so exhausted and it was really, really hot. And I just wanted to get out of there. And they're like, hey, let us put a baby's arm. I'm like, you know, honestly, do whatever you want. And then, so then I went to go change back into, from the bikini into my clothes. And I thought, okay, like now I can actually have some time with the Italian guy and tell him about Everpedia. Like they told me he's Bill Gates' best friend. And then I came out of the dressing room and he was gone. And they're like, okay, go home. So I just, I kind of felt raped. But now I, I guess I shouldn't, I shouldn't say stuff. Everyone gets mad at me for making such a big deal out of it. And I shouldn't make such a big deal. It was, it was a joke. It was a prank and like nothing too bad happened. I I got a Wikipedia page from it, which is (laughs) the, the reason I started Everpedia is because Someone made me a Wikipedia page in 2013 and Wikipedia deleted it. They said, I'm not important enough to have one. Like they wrote that back yeah. to you or? I mean, no, no, I didn't. Well, most people don't know, but uh, 95% of Wikipedia pages get deleted. Why do they do that? Just They to say go it's back not important enough. And the vast majority of those are pages about women. Like if you look, the, the most most of the top page the top page of all time on everpedia is cardi b yeah a lot on everpedia wikipedia everpedia because we had we made her page two and a half years before wikipedia made her page so that's a lot of the reason is just this discrimination that goes on in the wikipedia they call it the notability requirements Mm mm-hmm but Sasha Baron Cohen, I guess with with the Sasha Baron Cohen thing, they decided they have enough shit to talk about me that I'm allowed <laughs> to get my own Wikipedia page. Uh. But I think my Everpedia is just way better. Like my Everpedia, it still has all the bad stuff, but it just gives you so much more information. It has all the videos. Like we, you can put videos on Everpedia pages. So you have all the videos of my uh. interviews, podcasts, uh, me acting, me playing piano. I have that Everpedia page. I, got, I really got to sit down and really put all those things in there. That's, I like that. Yeah, well, we, we can definitely add a lot more multimedia to yours. Also, we add, for yours, we have to add a GIF. I'm like, in. Because instead of a picture, you can have a GIF. 
I love that. <laughs> oh, there's so many things. I'm dropping a new trailer too for my India project for the next season. I did South America ah. by school bus and going off and living all these unique experiences and roles in South American culture and society. And I'm getting a school bus in India and doing that same thing and taking on different jobs and roles in Indian society. So I have a bunch of a producer out there. I have uh, my old team that works on the other project here. And we're looking to start and launch in January in India. Get the We have a bus with Tata Motors. That's who we're looking to partner nice. with out there. And uh, yeah, so different jobs like um working at in amritsar which is where the sikh golden temple is and they feed fifty thousand people every single day and so working in that kitchen serving people 24 straight hours what happens how you live here teaching in the world's largest classroom two thousand people and the whole mission of like redefining purpose and meaning you know we do it with our job now but how do people in different countries or around the world we're all coming to modernity we all have to struggle of coming to terms of modernity but how do other people do it and how do people define who they are? That's amazing, man. Yeah, South. So, so the the countries that I think are they're blowing. I mean, they have the most people, but also their influence is is blowing up proportionally. Are India and China? Mm-hmm. And the big difference is India has accepted the Western internet, and China has decided to build their own internet. And. The Chinese way, I think, is very, very wrong. I think the biggest tragedy in the world is the is the Great Firewall. And hopefully crypto can help us knock it down and make it so that China is part of everyone else's internet. And then on the India side, I think we just really have to kiss India's ass uh, for not doing what China did, mm-hmm. which is kind of happening. Like why Combinator started an India campus and even in Silicon Valley, a lot of the companies they're taking are doing business in India, which I think is really good. But one thing I would like to see is I think Facebook's second in command should be Indian. Because like the fact that India hasn't rejected Facebook and is supporting Facebook is huge. Oh, it's interesting. It's like you want comments or likes that so you put an ad towards India with the lowest CPMs. Exactly. India, exactly. Nigeria, and will be another country um, like Malaysia. Or Philippines, I just love Western culture, and they're so social media yeah. active. Well, so India's main main language is English, so mm. that makes it a very very valuable. Same country. with the Philippines. I think Philippines' first language is nice. English. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're we're uh, one one really messed up thing is that India is probably the most anti crypto country though. So like they so need to been, change their a, shit on that. They're have they had a hard time with their currency. They had to, they got rid of two of the notes. They got rid of the five hundred and the thousand, and that was just bonkers. You know, everybody had to go to a bank, whether they lived in the in a village in the middle of nowhere, yeah. to turn in their old old cash for new cash. And you know, I think it was Bitcoin. Like that run up back in twenty fourteen or something was all accredited to this yeah. people buying, blood what's it called Bitcoin, in India with this huge problem they were having with the banking system. But then India had a huge crackdown and they made crypto completely illegal at one point. Like it went all the way up to Supreme Court to determine that we don't support this or I don't know what law you say, like, hey, this currency is illegal, you know? Yeah, they've had bad experiences with it, but hopefully, so like the the biggest, like a lot of the Everpedia team is Indian and South Asian. So hopefully we can put a sway, like our head of blockchain, Kadar, He's like an Indian prince. He's a Brahmin. Hopefully he can get his home country. 
he he wrote uh one of the best selling uh dev books on ethereum really? so this guy is a master what's the name of that book i don't know the name of his book but shouts out to kadar kadar ear no, I'll check he it just out. got engaged too. I'll, I read weird stuff like that, so it's like, oh, whole development book, the best one on Ethereum. That's something I should probably understand, or try and uh, absorb a bunch of the information that I possibly can. Kadar just en- got engaged, and it's funny because for me, I'm I'm like the I'm the grown up of Everpedia. I'm kind of like the Earl Rick Bachman. They're all <laughs> they're all around 10, 10 to fifteen years younger than I am. Wow. So then Kadar, he's like a little kid. He's like my son. And then now he's getting married. And then I'm still single. So I'm I'm freaking the fuck out. <laughs> if you get to call yourself Ehrlich Bachman. So that's like, a, if anybody who has watched Silicon Valley, I think everybody yeah. wants to be the Ehrlich Bachman. I mean, God, that's so, such a funny. Uh... Yeah, well, so the the funny thing about my my situation, I'm always just like the weirdo side guy of these companies. And I never get as much equity as the CEO. The CEO always obviously gets more equity than I do because he's doing all the work. But I get a little chunk of multiple companies. So eventually I'm going to be richer than any of my CEOs. It's kind of like there's a, a proverb, a Persian proverb about like the elderly grandfather who gives like the food to each of his grandchildren, but then takes one small portion of each of their food for himself. But then he ends up actually having more food than any of they do. Mm-hmm. Any of them, so. Well, worst case, if you don't get that uh, Indian second in command or someone running it, we can put an Ever Ipedia thing on the bus, and we can just Ever Ipedia all these big people in India. My my dream is <laughs> fa- Facebook should buy uh, Everpedia, and we can like basically build Facebook India, like if, especially like the crypto side. We can do it for them. Like Kadar, Kadar and Zuck, and also Sam and Zuck need to meet. And Sam is the he's the Persian Zuck. He's Persian the head. Zuck. Yeah, he's the head of. He's kind of like the Emperor Palpatine of Everpedia, and Kadar is his uh, Darth Vader. And we've also we've got Teddy, who's like our he's like the Swedish model guy. More of the face guy. Yeah, he's the face you. Well, no, but th- that's the thing though is that when we started this whole thing, uh, Sam was fat, but then now Sam is like a male model. He's the guy with the eight pack now. Yeah, everyone's just getting too handsome. I wish these guys would just get uglier and and spend more time coding. Give give everybody a pitch on blockchain. <clears throat> People who listen to the show, you know, we've had uh, founders of my Ether wallet, my crypto wallet, Taylor and Kevin Monahan on the show. Um, a bunch of people in the blockchain space in South America, people developing different AI tokens, but you know they really still don't know, or don't, I don't think they see enough of a compelling case. Like we're talking about these people who you know work in crypto now, trying to make it you know accessible and understand uh, not understandable for everybody. But you know people still think like oh, it's something that's going to be taken in by drug dealers that they're going to use to uh, wash wash money and launder money in. Or use it for to for terrorists. I think it's such a cheap word to use. Like, oh, it's going to be used for terrorism. Like, well, what are terrorists going to use for this that they can't use with regular money? I think if they're going to get weapons of some sort, they're they're going to get weapons of some sort. So, what what is really that compelling case that everybody say, hey, this is why you need this, and if you if you start adopting this now, you're not just going to make your life better, but you know the next generations of your life better. Well, if if all money becomes crypto, I actually think it's the opposite. Eventually there could be no no black markets cuz everything could be traceable. 
so that it would be impossible for terrorists to get money. But that's that's neither here nor there. That's not really why I'm interested in it. The reason I'm interested is what we were talking about, about owning your content. Because I have these community sites where people write for free, and that always uh, rankled me. I got into big, big trouble at Rap Genius once for starting a program called Cash Genius. Because there were these like high school and college students doing really, really good work. And all they wanted was like a hundred bucks. And they didn't even want the money because they needed the money. They just wanted it for some kind of social validation. So I started something called Cash Genius where people could apply for a one-time check. And I got into big trouble. Some of the editors said that I'm discriminating. Tom got really mad at me. Then Tom told me all of his weirdo Silicon Valley philosophies about the evils of paying. Um, there's, you know, there's a crazy story about the first time Kanye West tweeted where Ron Conway took him to like the Twitter opening party and they like basically treated him like a slave. They were like, tweet, tweet. And he was like, I want to get paid, like pay me to tweet. And they were like, no motherfucker tweet. They basically forced him to tweet. It's funny because now like, you know, he's a fan. He's like always writing his rants and his poetry on Twitter. But that was the that's like the messed up origins of Silicon Valley. It's kind of connected to Wikipedia being a nonprofit. There was this whole philosophy that if you tell someone you're going to pay them, then they think of it as a job. And crypto is not going to. So, so the way crypto works is you don't think of it as a job. You think of it as owning your content. So when we give you IQ... It's not like how much am I getting paid hourly for writing this article. It's that you are getting IQ that is proportional to the content that you've created on Everpedia. And if your content becomes more valuable, if more and more people keep on using it and it gets more votes, then your IQ is going to go up in value. So the the thing that you own, so it's not like you're getting paid a wage. It's more like you're uh, owning real estate. The content that you're creating is real estate. And then we just you, we're, we're allowing you to, to keep it instead of just giving it to Mark Zuckerberg. No, I just had a little mini blackout right there on the point I was going to keep going into. But no, why do you think that there's what is the Silicon Valley culture around people not getting paid? Because I think you have to incentivize people somehow. No, well, they they're. There was a whole thing that you can't, if you start to pay, they start to say like, hey, I'm not even getting paid. Because like, I for for example, with Cash Genius, I was basically saying to a teenager like, hey, do a couple months of really good work on Rap Genius and I'll send you a check for a hundred bucks. So you're not getting paid per hour. You're getting like, you know, 50 cents an hour. So if start, people start thinking of it as a job, it can open up a can of worms. Um, and I agree, like there were problems with Cash Genius. I, I started it just because this this underlying issue of no compensation was bothering me. But then I ended up causing more problems than I fixed. But with crypto, we're like building this whole complex engineering system that like I'm saying, it makes it more like real estate. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting paid for creating something. You're just getting the deed for the real estate that you've created. Anytime you write an article on the internet, it's like you've you've created a piece of real estate. But we're letting you keep it instead of just signing the deed over to Mark Zuckerberg. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's the unique thing that crypto does, or just blockchain itself. It's just, hey, there is value in something you would never think would had value before. And I think that's the most interesting thing when you start seeing millennials get into um, what kind of positions, executive positions of power in these, in these companies. You're going to see a lot more different, you know, funding and ways of money being spent towards, you know, other millennials or Gen Zers in, you know, whether it's going to be a business space or whatever space it's going to be in, like, oh, yes, creating this content is so important. You know, there's a value in people going out and creating and inspiring and storytelling that we need more people doing this. And we're look going to at, look at what happened with Genius and Google right now. So Genius, it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal that uh, we caught Google taking our lyrics by putting watermark. We, we did a Morse code with the apostrophes in the lyrics. Interesting. Um, and people were like, well, you, you guys don't even own the lyrics. The, the songwriter owns the lyrics. But our community is who puts these lyrics up. No one wants to create content. Like these guys are working hard for free creating content. And even the artists don't want to send in their own lyrics. Like a lot of times the, the, the artists themselves won't have like with rappers. Uh, so many times a rapper would want to put the lyrics on Genius, but they don't have a type a typewritten set of the lyrics. They just have the lyrics like scrawled down on a notepad. Mm-hmm. So no one wants to create the content and even lyric, even uh, Google, which has billions of dollars, didn't want to hire people to just sit down and write down what the rappers are saying. So they ended up having to steal from our community. Our, our community is millions of people who actually like rap. They actually pay attention to what the artists are saying. No one wants to admit that this is what, what really matters on the internet is creating, creating content. I mean, there's just a, there's genius a- needs to decentralize too, by the way. That's one of my biggest shames is that my first, I, I, the only conversation I've had with Tom, the CEO of genius since I left the company was after he, when he fired Ewok. Who's Ewok? Ewok is the legendary guy. He was he was the top guy of Rap Genius, and then oh. he got fired, and now you he's the top guy of Ever You were talking about before we came on air, yeah. Yeah, he's you got you should have him on the show. He's I'd love he's to amazing. Him. He's written he's written stuff that you know tens if not hundreds of millions of people have benefit from his his content on the internet. Well, I'd love to go to like, come visit your guys' stuff in Santa Monica. Come do it, do it, yeah, come through. Um, but when I talked to him, I basically flipped out at him for not, why not just put genius on blockchain? We're a perfect, perfect example of something that needs to be on blockchain. And I told him if he doesn't do it, I'm going to tell Everpedia to build a competitor to genius on blockchain. So (laughs) I'm prepared, I'm prepared to kill my own baby. (laughs) So, I mean, our world is capitalizing on passionate people. You know, and even people, not even just artists, but people who just have this crazy idea for a business and they're able to create it, you know, whether they understand the tech or anything behind it, they're able to bring people together in order to make something happen. But, you know, they're doing all this stuff kind of for free and on their own time. So how do we create that culture where people understand like, hey, this person is doing this. They don't have the money to advertise. They don't have the money to do that. I mean, you see a Patreon starting out making, oh, this is great. 
but still I have to go create that page on Patreon. I have to start marketing all that stuff on Patreon. I got to find someone to pay to manage that page and create, you know, the post and to reach out and connect with people. You also have to get approved by Patreon's executives. You got to hope that whatever you make and the the stuff you do is not going to go against who they are. I think Sam Harris is thrown off of Patreon. Yeah, well, that's so that's what clear clear. That's my new company. We want to fix those. That's a lot of that happens through decentralization, too, because decentralization, you can at least make the decision of kicking Sam Harris off of Patreon a decentralized decision. And that can still be abused, but at least it's not as bad as a bunch of dudes in San Francisco deciding. Um, So that's that's where we want to go with that with that thing, too. Because these the executives of Silicon Valley companies have way too much editorial control, and that legally they're allowed to. They're basically allowed to just keep keep whoever they want on their platforms, like they're private businesses. But you could argue that it should be treated more like a telephone. Co- a, a telephone company can't just kick off anyone. You know, they they're it's it's the commons. They have duties to citizens. Well, isn't it where like a lot of people in blockchain feel that the internet's gone? Like internet was created and it was supposed to be this beacon of free speech and everybody can come out and say what they want, express yeah. what they want. But it's and kind of like private it's private companies it's have retracted. centralized it. Yeah, they've centralized it. So now we have to decentralize their power on the crypto platform. I think it's gonna happen. I mean, we talked a little bit about that, but I mean how do, is it's you gotta get the people on board. How do you get the people on board? Well, right now, the people who are into crypto are kind of like the people who are into internet in the early days. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of coders, a lot of, yeah, dorkier people, but they're the ones who get it started. And then it starts to, the, the, the next place it catches on is with young people. Like, young people are the ones who get into mainstream adoption. Mm-hmm. And I could see crypto, you know, there's a lot of, in my opinion, jank crypto influencer platforms but there could be a good one like like what we're trying to do uh, with clear and also to some extent with everpedia is we're just trying to find ways for people to be able to support talent that they like yeah no that is the biggest thing and it's interesting too and i think it's going to backfire on these executives in san francisco or new york who have this mentality like they're idea of what they think is professionalism or okay content or you know something that can be said and permitted because like you said if it's young people especially this next generation z is coming up and coming into those birthed in this internet age you know there's a tablet in their hand by the time they were two at a restaurant excuse me and you know it's all about rebellion and counterculture and if you're telling people what to say and what they can think you are going to be losing that whole next side, whole next generation. Creative destruction. Joseph Schumpter calls it creative destruction. That's why in capitalism, things don't last very long. Everyone will always wants something new and hot. And also the people who got rich 20 years ago start to get lazy and like, you know, do drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm also a big believer in synthesis. I'm, I'm kind of a Hegelian. So I... I'm like the rebel. I'm always the one who's like going against the the establishment, trying to build something new. But I'm always down to go back and cooperate with the Illuminati. Like, <laughs> if the Illuminati wants to buy my shit, they're welcome to buy my shit. No, totally. I think uh, 
I think that's how progress happens. I'm kind of, you know, in, in some ways I'm very left wing, but in other ways, like in the traditional British sense of the term, I'm a conservative, like I'm a big fan of Edmund Burke. Mm hmm. So I think that progress happens with synthesis. You have to take a big leap forward and then you have to go back to the backward, stupid people and try to just get them to meet you halfway. Mm -hmm. And like I'm saying, crypto is going to have a ton of problems Like with decentralization. It's one, still so new. One, one thing that people are talking about, especially with the way that Everpedia and EOS do it, is that an interest group can just accumulate your tokens so like Russia can still do their meddling. Like it seems to me like Russia can still do their election meddling on crypto. But then again, they were able to do it on Facebook. You know, like at least this might make it so that it'll be more transparent when someone's messing it around. It can mm -hmm. be more robust. We have engineers who are trying to fix, make solutions. But the existing thing we have right now, it's just like who edits Wikipedia. It's completely haphazard. It's centralized. A lot of it happens in San Francisco. Uh, all of the decision makers are men. A lot of the decision makers are white. So even even if crypto can be gamed and it has problems, it can be an improvement to what we have right now. Yeah. I mean, crypto is still dealing with that problem right there where in certain tokens, I mean, 70 or 80 percent of all these tokens are owned by, you know, one or a few individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the, the only token that's that's true of Everpedia as well. The only token that's truly decentralized is Bitcoin. One way that Everpedia helped, you know, we were able to overcome that a little bit is so the way we raised our money, no one else has, has raised the way that we did. And I think it's pretty interesting. It was called an airdrop. Basically what happened was uh, EOS's VC, which is called Galaxy Digital, gave us $30 million. And then in exchange, we airdropped half of the IQ tokens to everyone who holds EOS. So we have 200,000 people who own our token. So at least we're, you know, it's not just us. There's some people. But then a lot of the people who have it, uh, they don't really care. They only have it because they had it. They had EOS, yes. so they got this for free. But some people do care. Some people, that's what's starting to build our communi community and get us editors and stuff. I'm bummed for it because I love my little Everpedia page. And I love that uh, from your writers, like you said, that wrote that stuff about me, they were able to even get it down to the philosophies and the ideas I got from different books like Ken Casey's uh, Electric Kool-Aid yeah. Acid Test. Oh, that's that changed my life. Um, you know, Jack Kerouac, like all these different things. Like I think one of your editors, like when he started the page for me, like was able to take all the different video. Not, not he read that stuff about me, but from the videos, my websites, you know, interviews that he went up and researched on me and was able to get that. That that was, I was like, huh. I would I do that. anything to find out what Tom Wolf thinks about crypto. He probably, he probably just doesn't even, he, think of, he thinks of it as some newfangled thing. But I bet he would be totally into it because he hates investment bankers. Really? Yeah, well, I mean, have you read Bonfire of the Vanities? No, I've not. Yeah, he's, he's one of my favorite authors. Electric Kool-Aid Acid Test was... One, uh, well, also that I read that and that made me read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, mm -hmm. which is one of my favorite books and also I think one of the greatest uh, movies of all time. I haven't seen the movie, but I've read the book and I love the insane asylum character. Yeah, well, J Jack Nicholson in that era is like, that's me. That's like the artist who I relate <laughs> to. <laughs> uh, well, dude, I think we're going to wrap up right there, man. Thank you. 
yeah yeah let's let's get hopefully anyone who's listening if you've listened this long go out and be crazy do some crazy shit no definition on that just go do crazy whatever you see is crazy just you know do things to make your parents upset and then get get your parents to do them with you Mm, (laughs) that's it i don't think my parents truly understand what a podcast is yet but uh Ah, I've explained to them a good amount, but I think this thing they just like you tell them what you do and what technologies you use to, you know, create value. It's like, yeah, okay, it sounds great. I think every phone call is like, hey, it sounds like you're doing something. Podcasts are blowing up because the the internet is all about sound bites, and podcasts are an antidote to that. It's a way to really, really, it's the opposite of a tweet. Well, it's it's niche content. It's not just a niche medium. Like the content, this conversation right here you know, is something that doesn't happen or it doesn't happen on different platforms. You can't have a conversation like this and then put it out somewhere. Mm-hmm. It happens. And now you can have different social medias like where you can harbor this and put this on the YouTube. So you can have this three camera shot conversation cutting to this, 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 and that. And the fact that you can like see numbers because Apple protects your privacy and won't give you any good analytics on yeah. your show. But now you can take that from YouTube in order to market your show and say, hey, I have people watching something for 25 minutes when they can clearly listen to it on their own. So that is like the leverage point with that. We need a crypto podcast platform. It's only a matter of time. Maybe I can get the Everpedia guys. I keep begging them to build stuff, but they're they're too busy. We need to, you know, we need to kill my baby, genius. We do podcasts. GitHub needs a crypto <laughs> version. Says I don't know if you heard, but they just banned Iran. Why? Because Microsoft decided to ban my people. I don't know. It's really messed up. It's very corrupt. Well, everything going on with politics is just... It's dumb. It's dumb the way... I mean, it's great what the U.S. has done economically with the world, with the power of the U.S. dollar, and be able to stranglehold countries and, you know, have so many people backed by that dollar that, you know, it prevents a lot of countries going to war. And there's a lot less war and fighting due to the... the ties of the U.S. dollar or just countries tied so closely together economically that, you know, okay, a, a, a missile was shot. Okay, but that that's like the, where it's ended and it's done right there. Crypto can that make that even deeper. Oh, though. absolutely. And what, one thing that's cool about crypto is that China is getting their fair share. It's going to, I think crypto can make the U.S. and China be the equal superpowers. And that's a world I want to see because, like, you know, I, I don't speak Chinese, but I love Chinese culture. Mm-hmm. My herbalist is more important to me than my doctor, than, <laughs> than my brain surgeon. Well, like you said, it's like imagine when we can introduce more people to the marketplace. And that's what banking has done. But if we can do that on a crazier scale. Yeah. You know, for example, with yeah. smart contracts and Ethereum that a farmer in, you know, sub-Saharan Africa who has access to the Internet can get a micro loan from somebody yeah. somewhere who's staking this Ethereum token and can now say, bam wow, I can now go grow more crops. And now I have a surplus of crops that I can sell those crops and not just have enough crops for my family. I'm a Panglossian dude. I really, I'm, I'm, I think it's an exciting time to be alive and there's a yes. reason why... It's a great time to be alive. There's a reason why crypto is my life because I've just always wanted uh, everyone to get a piece. I, I, I loved the internet, but I always thought that it was, there was something unfair about it. And then now it can be a fair internet. So it's really my dream come true. Mm-hmm. About, I think you're a lot very misunderstood guy. <laughs> I didn't know much about you. Um, 
And like I said, I mean, I look at everybody with uh, with no filter on them. And uh, I'm really happy we got to talk like this because I think, you know, everything you're working on, you know, how you see the world and I wouldn't call you an engineer of chaos, but like, hey, hey, listen, I'm I didn't think about anything. You know, I just I was just think I was just living. And I think this great book uh, I'm reading now. Where's that book? Uh, Unstoppable. I think it's Unstoppable by Tim Grover. It's a trainer of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade. It's there's this a certain level of people who are just called cleaners and they just it's not just about once they get that task done or they get this big accomplishment done, it's where's that next one? And where am I going to it? And just okay. And what do those guys do that's so great is they don't think. Everything is, you know, not impulse but just reactionary. Like, oh, this is the thing I have to do and I know what I have to do. I don't think about it. I get that ball in the game. I'm shooting this shot this way because that's just how it is. I there's there's a confidence and the faith in yourself and what you are and what you do. So don't stop doing it and keep uh, pushing other people because that's exactly the message I want to push on people themselves. Yeah, much love, man. Thanks so much for talking to me. I'm looking forward to making the uh, wild Everpedia. <laughs> you can make the Everpedia page as soon as I get home. Well, we are tuning out. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This is the video part, but I usually just throw the audio and outro together. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We got to do all those CTA call to action stuff. Um, like, comment, subscribe. You guys get the deal. And if you want to support this show, we have several ways to do that. Really, actually only one. There's Patreon. And go on there and support the Patreon page. Not only do we give you exclusive access to the people and the guests we've had on the show, but there's ways you can take part in all the content we're creating. We're going off. We're going into cannabis farms. We're going to cocaine farms in South America. We're heading to India. If you want to be a part of all this great stuff, if you have some great intrinsic value you can provide, we're going to find a place for you. There's always a place on the bus. And big shout out to these guys right here, Wild Food Co., Big thank you to you guys for sending us this coffee, powering this show. Love all the products that you've sent this far. All the best stuff comes from Texas. Always from Texas. That little blue part of Texas right there. Yeah. Austin. And uh, that's it, guys. Listen to stuff. Subscribe. Sharing always helps. Sending out ways that people can gain knowledge and perspective from this conversation. So without that, bus is out. Cheers, everybody. Peace. Uh, for those who...